Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. I'm Jackie Cation, your host. Of the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com, AllThingsComedy.com slash TheDorkForest, I bet. Uh, there's also TDF.Libson.com, which is a super fun place to that I used to park all of the shows and try to put some information. But now I'm at this new DorkForest.com, which is a WordPress, which has both the teaser clips and the show and the bonus stuff. Well, as soon as I update it. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you're going to all the websites. But JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com are the only ones that have donation buttons, you guys, if you like to donate, if you can. Anyway, the credits, let's do them. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the song you just heard with his wife, Sarah Cohen. That's right. Mike will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady will fix this audio, and Vilmos works on the website. Now... What else? JackieCation.com. If you need merch, if you need Ranger of the Dork Forest merch, you can have it. There's Ranger t-shirts, there are Dork Forest t-shirts, and there is a stand-up t-shirt that says Spooky Reading Girl on it regarding my last album. I'm going to sneeze now and hopefully edit it out. And then I'm going to mention it and then not sneeze. Okay. All right. There's also CDs and a DVD on the merch page and hoodies. I'm on a double X you would be pre-ordering like I claim that you are for double X, but the rest of them are actually in stock if you wanted one. It's about to become July, so definitely get in on the hoodie situation. And uh my schedule, I'm doing stand-up. The next couple of weeks I'm in Los Angeles, and then I'm on the road with Brian Regan again, and then Marie Bamford again, and then by myself again. So super fun. Anyway, a lot of information. I haven't... I, uh, Amazon, there's an Amazon banner on the Jackie Cation page where you can order from Amazon. If you use that as a portal, the Dork Forest gets a bit of a kickback. So feel free to use that portal if you like. You can donate if you like, uh, to the show if you have, uh, some money. And if you don't have any money, you can buy merch or you can just tell people about the show. You can review the show on iTunes. And eventually I'll start reading letters again when I have a moment to do a Dork Addendum. Anyway, let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room, and uh, it's a very special The Dork Forest uh, I have with me. We met at Tabletop, the Will Wheaton show. Mm. I am with Ivan Van Norman. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the program, Ivan Van Norman. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to invite me to your living room. And also, of course, because it is game-related, we have with me my husband, Andy Ashcraft. Hello. Resident, <laughs> resident expert. Resident, resident expert. Stumbling out of his bedroom to podcast today. A stepping away. Staggering away from my own computer from five feet away. From his own computer where work was sort of being done, right? You were kind getting of. some work done. Yeah, yeah. I believe in you. Sure. Anyway, Ivan Van Norman at Hydra underscore Lord right. on Twitter. That's the Twitters. And uh, on Instagram. And on then you have a Facebook. Facebook page just yeah. under Ivan. Uh, yeah, which it's so weird even to have a Facebook page, uh, and it's it sucks because Facebook chokes, of course, a certain amount. If if you if you have a certain amount of 
people on your mm-hmm, page. Mm-hmm. They don't really care about making an impression on you. I think it's like less than 500. So if right. you have less than 500 people on your page, you can pretty much talk to any of them yeah. without like Facebook's algorithm choking it. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you go above that mark, they like start putting you into like, Hey, if you want to reach your whole audience, make sure to boost your post. Oh, right, right. Kind of situation. So I, I post there and I love it. It's actually <laughs> the easiest way for me to communicate. But yeah. every single time I'm there, I'm like, this is Facebook's way of get, of having me give them 10 bucks. Oh, right. Cause yeah. you have to, uh, well, people, you'll be happy to know that Jackie Cation jokesmith, I boost nothing. Uh, good luck. <laughs> you, I think I got like 5,000 people. And, uh, it if sucks. you want to email me, it's Jackie at JackieCation.com. We don't need to talk on Facebook. No, it's true. It's, it's, it's true. I'm just as accessible, but, uh, because, <laughs> because a, a large portion of what I do is internet marketing. Right. Uh, for my crowdfunding stuff. Oh, right, right. Um, Cause you have one crowdfunding thing after another pretty yeah, much. Are I, you, are I, you? I help a lot for a long time before I started integrating fully into doing games all day, every day. Right. Uh, I was a crowdfunding consultant. Oh, okay. And I still do it. Sure. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Don't, if you offered Ivan Van Norman money, uh, you would do it. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> Although it depends with on the caveat. The pre- <laughs> with the caveat, uh, no more TV shows. Oh, fair enough. Right. <laughs> or, so, what or you should pop. know is that Ivan was on King of Nerds with uh, friends of the show, the Library Bards. Yep. Uh, well, uh, with Xander, Xander, not Bonnie. Uh, right, she was on the Quest. Bonnie yes. was on the Quest. Yes, I learned that when I sat with them, and I learned many things. Oh, many so things so many things, and uh, and Mister Mister. Um, and Curtis uh, Armstrong, who was one of the executive producers of the show, has right. become like a nerd pop out of all of us. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has he has lovingly taken uh, us into into his embrace, even many years after the show has been done, and we still we still actually spend a lot of time together. Like Xander and I are super close friends. Oh wow! You know, well, uh, did you d- didn't you like? How long did they shoot King of Nerds? For months, uh, so right? my, my no, uh, for my season, which was the longest shooting schedule, I think we were three weeks or four okay. weeks. So we shot aggressively, I think, an episode every two days. Okay. Wow. And then uh, for season two, it was even worse. I think they just had two weeks. Oh, wow. It was insanity. Okay. Uh, pure but insanity. But it was 10 hours a day or? It was 10. It was anywhere. It was usually 12 to 14. Okay. You know? So, yeah, if you're standing next to somebody for 12 hours a day, you become right. either friends or enemies. Well, and that's the interesting part because <laughs> since Xander and I weren't on the same season, we mm-hmm. did not spend time together at all. But we had a post-mortem opportunities oh. to spend time with each other. That's we, it. You guys went into therapy together. We, be- <laughs> a little PTSD. we, we became a support group, the season oneers, uh, for all the seasons afterwards. Okay. And we, we made our own little, um, fraternity, you could say, mm-hmm. to the degree mm-hmm. of even when second season was done, me and another member from season two decided by season three, when it came out, we made challenge coins. Okay. Like legit challenge coins for the people who had participated. Sure. Uh, just because we all felt like, hey, we went through the same thing together. We all are nerds and we are all bonded by our obsessions. Right. It was that or get a tattoo of a nine on your, on your leg. <laughs> and, uh, what are you going to do? And, and challenge coins seemed so much less permanent. Than that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. And it was, yeah. it was fun. And, and that's the, the I mean, I, w- I go to, uh, Genevieve, who was, uh, one of our contenders. Um, she, she came to my birthday. Oh, nice. uh, just recently, and um, she's potentially hosting uh, Phoenix's first birthday. Okay. You know, and uh, Muja Gay. Who's who, Phoenix? Uh, Phoenix is my son. Oh, there you go. I was my, like, uh, my tiny I, one. I, I've only met you for right. a couple of hours. You have and, not uh, met my little red ginger baby. I have not met your ginger baby or your <laughs> wife. So yes. hopefully you have a partner. Because uh, it's hard to raise kids alone. It's and challenging. That's what so, I'm told. I'm told. He's a, he's a, he's, we're keeping the redhead gene alive. He's literally a redheaded 
baby. Baby. So, okay. Yes. How old is he? He's eleven months. Oh, that's that's still a baby, right still on. A baby. That yeah. is a baby. He is. He's his 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 one year is coming up. All so. right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. All. So when I said, "What do you want to dork out about?" you said zombies. I said all the things. You said all the things. All the things. But I don't know anything about zombies. Right. Which is why I brought Andy you in here. You seemed extremely fixated on the zombies, which I'm happy right. to talk about. Because I don't know anything about zombies. Because right. I because I figure what? How deep does your rabbit hole go in the zombie uh, category? Uh, I I claim to. Uh, I know nothing, and you certainly couldn't bore anybody listening to this with the minutia. She knows to ask whether we're talking about slow zombies or fast zombies. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I also know whether or not to ask what, so does all, do all zombie books, movies, and television shows end with either the cure for zombieism or everyone dies? Well, it, it's so, <laughs> when you're talking about survival horror, uh, usually the best stories are the ones that are left unanswered, you know? Um, so, it, oh, so neither of those things happen at the end of zombie movies. I, no, I mean, most, you're, I, or you're, are they slice of life? You are the you, slice of unlife or are they undead? <laughs> Sorry. I, <laughs> that's a, that's a pun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Legit. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think you're unwrong in saying that most, <laughs> most zombie movies usually end with, um, either just total despair. Everyone's dead. Um, everything's wrong in the world or, Hey, there's hope. Mm-hmm, Look, mm-hmm. there's hope here. Tiny shining light of hope. Okay. Um, and because those are usually the two most interesting things that you can explore. Right. But then, you know, a lot of the best stories are, I think, the ones in which zombies are just a backdrop. Okay. Of which there are more human tales to tell. Think ah. about the original Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Now, is that really a story about zombies invading a small, uh, house, uh, where the people are making their last stand? Or is it about just a bunch of really Screwed up you may people. Swear to your heart's. Content. All right, it's about a bunch of really fucked up people uh, inside of a room, um, trying not to kill each other while the zombies are killing them from outside. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it ends you up know. being more of a crucible for things to happen. Absolutely. Inside of. Because the great thing about uh, zombies is, is that it is uh, it is a really good analogy for what do you do when all things go wrong. Like it is, ah. if when heat and what pressure apply. What does it turn applied, you into? Yeah, what does it turn into? What does humanity turn into? What do your friends turn into? It's it's in Romero. One of the glorious things that he did when he first brought it into the into the screen. He was not the first one to do zombies, but the first one to bring it to major motion pictures. Okay, is is that he used zombies as an analogy for everything? You know. Okay, who was the first one to uh, who who came up with zombies? Well. That's hard. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's a mess. And well, because there's voodoo zombies, like old school. No, you know what are voodoo zombies? Well, the oh. the traditional like. Um, I saw an episode of Bones about this. Anyway, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fair. Uh, witch doctors who <laughs> okay. uh, who would use zombieism in order to create slaves. Ah, uh, the problem is, right. is that's not zombies as we traditionally view them today, because those people are still sentient. Free thinking individuals who are literally slaves. Been coerced been, somehow? Been coerced using voodoo magic. Okay. Uh, brought back from the dead in order to do the bidding of the, of the of, evil sorcerer. Of evil sorcerer. Okay. Uh, which is not the, the shambling undead horde that we view today. Right. The shambling, um, okay. The, the more ish Right. Shambling. There was a, there was another interesting horde-like thing that was done with, uh, uh, I Am Legend, believe it or not, in the 50s with Robert Matheson. Okay. Um, he used vampires. Uh, okay. As like the, these are, this is, he kind of did the original zombie apocalypse scenario with okay. that book because in his mind, in his book, and without 
causing too many spoilers, all of humanity is turned into vampires. Okay. And he is like the last refuge. He is the last man. Okay. Um, it's not unlike the last man standing, you know, um, the, the, uh, Omega man or things like that in which the world is just, it's just empty. Right. Um, this is where he, it's, it's one man against, uh, innumerable odds, you know? Right. Which is interesting, but always makes me wonder, like when there are only zombies and they eat brains, but they can't eat the brains of the other dead zombies. Right. What do they eat? Well, then, and if there's all vampires and there's only one dude, it may not be a sustainable resource. It, exactly, and that's okay. there's there. It's funny because you when you you're already kind of jumping into like the science of it. Oh, which right, which nobody needs any part of. <laughs> I mean, and, and and I am I am the first to go. Yes, let us not. And there's and there's an interesting, but there is a lot of you know worthwhile discussion on that because when you flash four decades later and you get into like 28 days later land when it okay. becomes the flash mobs. Of zombies who are, they are, they are, uh, they are warm blooded, they are fast running, their metabolism is through the roof, and the science on that is, is that, in theory, if an infection like that in which they are not undead, but they are just rampaging hyper rabies creatures that are alive, and they like, the, the, the term in the world is like, they're infected, they're okay. not undead. Okay. Um, that, that you're right, they, they would, the likelihood of that Flashing they burn out. themselves They'll out. They'll burn or... themselves out. Okay. 28 days later, unless there's more bodies to infect, the virus will pass. Okay. You know? And, uh, and that circumstance is survival and that is simply about maintaining quarantine. Okay. Versus yeah, yeah. the undead horde, which it may be, you know, uh, I'm sorry if I'm going super down the rabbit hole here, oh, but please. Um, that's what the show is about. <laughs> right. Uh, if you, if you go to like Max Brooks's book in which he's talking about the Solanum virus, which is his example of what the zombie virus is in, in his edification of it. Not fiction. Okay. Cause um, he's a real medical person. No, Max Brooks, oh. which is Mel Brooks son. Oh, hello. I'll yeah. be over here not knowing who people are. Right. That's, uh, um, that's my, he wrote MO. a super serious book called the zombie survival guide. Oh. And he used that, uh, Solanum as a, an example of what he thinks the virus would be. Okay. And he said it basically makes the flesh so toxic that bacteria that normally would break down a body and allow it to decay over a normal period amount of time is extremely slowed down because only 1% of normal decaying bacteria that, that consumes flesh uh, is is able to go at the body, which makes a, a zombie, quote-unquote, sustainable for years and years and years. Oh, okay. I get you know. that. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I have heard of the Zombie Survival Guide, and I have heard of Max Brooks. It's a, it's a big I, book. He, he, he also wrote the World War Z. He did. Okay. And he then did also he wrote World War Z. That, okay, which was turned into a movie that had... Yes, which also had fast zombies that are basically well. the same kind it, of... Well, I, and, I, and, I, and in a weird way, World War Z, the book, uh, explored slow zombies. Oh, really? It and did. then... They swapped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They uh they made them slow, uh, because <laughs> it was in World War Z, which is a collection of short stories, kind of broken down in a uh, historical nonfiction style book. Okay. Because it was written like a like you would write a um a nonfiction historical novel. Okay. That's a collection of short stories. So, in many people, one of the reasons why a lot of people were upset about World War Z is they all saw it as like a glorified um uh. You know when you watch the History Channel and they and they do those they, they do those reenactments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's but it's at, at the end of the day it's still like a full blown documentary. Yeah. People really wanted to see that movie. Okay. Because they thought that that would be a true telling of what made the book feel so charming. Oh, was the book essentially just from different perspectives? There were like yes. sort of found letters yes. or found kind of things that had then been T- compiled. stories and journals. 
okay. uh, of tales interviews. It's mostly about one journalist who is okay. who is collecting information okay. over time and has done interviews from survivors and things like that. Well, and that does sound like an interesting movie. It's it would be right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it got turned into you know a summer blockbuster, right? Right. So whatever. Something else. Uh, but it's and, all the more reason why the, I feel like the book is still. A wonderful read. Okay. And so the book is is better. It, it's worth your time and effort. Yeah. Um, and they do uh, they did tackle slow zombies in that because a lot of that book focuses on battle of attrition versus um, versus uh, modern warfare. Okay. Modern warfare is about get in there, get out, hurt the enemy as much as you can, scare them more if you can. Mm-hmm. You can't scare zombies in modern warfare. Right. You have the to. Zombies go, can scare you. Right. You have to go back to basics. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, and just destroy them all. That's crazy, Bill. Man, that was <laughs> no, no. That was a good six we, minute we, ramp. We, that was a know. nice six minute ramp. If I just literally was on the edge of that crater in Mexico, <laughs> you know that giant hole, and I just, I just, I just like based down all the way down there. Welcome to Ivan Van Norman, and uh, it's all working out. No, that's perfect. That's a nice little your poor paper with all the notes on it. <laughs> no, no, this is perfect. Uh, my four. What I do is I write down. Little uh, little little time code so yeah, that when notes. I pull out the clip uh, that I'll do before before the episode, great. Uh, then people can have just a snippet. And uh, it's amazing what you learn from uh, years and years of experience doing these things. Uh, right, right, right. It's and cool. uh, for many years, when Joe Wilson was my co-host, uh-huh. uh, he did all the hard work, and oh. then he got bored of that, <laughs> and then he was like, "I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to make Vampire Bob and and his own." Like he did a. a, a so it's, it's, a, a, it's a series. A it was series. a web series about and and a graphic novel now about. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's a it's Godfather. A, it's, it's a yeah. He's a he's a mafioso, but he's been uh, bitten. But he's a he's a vampire mafioso. Right, right. And he, and right so so he, he's a mob boss with a lot of time to kill. He decides to bite his wife, oh. and then his wife decides to bite her mother. So now it's the three of them. Living in their house, so it's kind of it's both so this mob story about how he, purgatory, pure <laughs> right. purgatory, For, and it's so it's really funny. Oh, it's, got uh, it. So it's, but, got it. But he quit that he he stopped doing yeah, the really forest. Good. Yeah, and it's really good. Vampire. That's mob. great. But, uh, That's awesome. The, he. Uh, he did all the he did all the note taking and all, all the, the fun note-taking. stuff. And so when he left, I noticed. Oh right, uh, someone should do pre production and then post production. And oh, thank you, Joe. Wilson. A little a little a little behind the curtain view from Jackie on <laughs> exactly. Dork Forest there. Just pull the curtain behind Huge a little bit. Reveal. Yeah, it doesn't just get done. So <laughs> I have spent six years learning that. <laughs> so good Fair for him. Enough. Yes. Yeah, so, but there, this. Was yeah, it's all good, and it's yeah. so it's so weird because we're in a, this lull now. I think with zombies. And this, well, because it's, only the Walking Dead, right? The Walking Dead is the only thing maintaining momentum. Okay, uh, and it's and it has become. It was huge. Obviously, the first couple seasons, it was like Game of Thrones level interest yeah. right. um, in the world, and as a result, it kind of it lost its momentum a little bit. And 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 one of the funny things that I've I've seen in this is something that me and my cohorts are talking about. The reason I'm so in the rabbit hole on this, by the way, is because we had to do years of research for my uh, role playing game. Right, right. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about your role playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. So this uh, is a nice almost segue. Four. Nice segue. Um, so, but but uh, so but yeah. to finish this thought, yeah. uh, the. Zombies up and they they rise and they fall. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, right. The interest. The interest does. Yeah. And, and you know, in the fifties, we, we, it was obviously not the living dead, gigantic, huge. Yep. And then in the seventies, it kind of came back again with Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead kind of mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And then we were pretty much done, um, all the way through the eighties and nineties. Okay. Uh, nothing there really. And only really came back into, I would say, mass media culture when, um, the remake Zack Snyder did, uh, Day, or Dawn of the Dead. Okay. When he remade Dawn of the Dead. That was such a good movie. Okay. Oh, was it good? Such a good I've never movie. seen it. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Zack Snyder did a great job with it. Um, it, it sucks kind of seeing him do what he's doing now, but that was one, it was an amazingly remade film. I saw okay. Shaun of the Dead. Right. Which, That's and, a, and Shaun of the Dead after was also, it, uh, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. It was great. And and it, was, it was plenty scary. It was, it was still a legitimate, fun zombie movie yeah, yeah. that had a, a wonderfully, uh, uh, beautiful, dry British humor attack. Yeah, yeah. It. it had a little, it had some goof on it. It had some total goof going on. Did you on end there. up seeing a movie called American Zombie? I didn't, no. Um, maybe five years ago, a friend of the show, uh, Jane Edith Wilson. Oh, right. Was in this movie. Um, uh, played like a PTA mom, right? Well, yeah, she's, uh, it's, it's a movie about, um, the undead Americans and the, and the struggle that they have to get normal rights. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. American yeah. And that's the, that's the take on that I one. That's, about that's, that one. That seems about right. <laughs> I, and it's and it's fun because <laughs> we we went so deep down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, we we started getting into that parody, which you start right. to know that when things start to get parodied, they've kind of they've reached close. If they haven't reached their peak, they're close to their peak. Right. You know. Although you have to like the great thing about zombies is you can both parody it and make a. True scary movie. Too. Sure. It can be both. It can be both. And it's, it's, it, as Shaun of the Dead proved. Um, <laughs> and it's just funny because we're, we're coming back down low again because Walking Dead was like a secret, a secret thing that people loved and talked about, but it had to hit mainstream culture. Right. And, um, right around that time when Walking Dead was popular, we were making our role playing game. Oh, yeah. And so we were fresh Perfect and timing. young into, ah, so good. And it was so ironic because when we were out there doing the research, we're like, wow, there's only one other big zombie game out there. And, uh, yeah. What was, so wh- then this was Outbreak, right? Outbreak out- Undead. Outbreak Undead mm-hmm. was the first one. Mm-hmm. And when did it first come out? When uh, did 2011. You, is when you published is it. Is when we first. published it. It okay. came out, it came out in Gen Con 2011. Okay. And, uh, Gen Con is, is the board game convention the, that Andy goes to every year right. in Indianapolis. And yep. I try to get booked at Crackers that week and every, every, only one year she's done it. And Twice, uh, I thought. Nope. No, no, just the one oh, year. Just the one. Disappointed. Okay. Uh, uh, so, cause it's free hotel. That's free anyway, hotel. Anyway. Yeah. So. Which is important. It's, at Gen it's Con. very important at Gen Con. <laughs> it's very hard. It is, I like to call it, it's the mecca of board games. You know, you know. The first time he, he went before, I did the whole crackers thing and uh and so I got a essentially voice one voicemail after another just him going there's 80,000 yeah. people here so so many people. People. I should say that well, I've done it every year I've done it every year for the last 4 years uh-huh, uh-huh. and I hadn't been before and that that first time 4 years ago was it blew his mind awesome <laughs> right right it's, have you gone for longer uh I've How been I've been? been going for the last uh well since 2011 Oh, there you go. Oh, that was your so first been, one. Okay. That was my first one. We okay. it, t- talk about a culture shock. Uh, it was right. It was only a few years after um, Gen Con moved from Milwaukee to Indianapolis. Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, I ladies know. and gentlemen. That's where it was. That's where. And now in Indianapolis, it grew. It has, and then since then, it has grown so much to the point of where it's taking on new space more every single year. To the degree of which they actually uh, leased out Lucas Oil Stadium. 
this year. Right. The ballpark. The ballpark. The giant stadium. Yeah. And they're moving all of True Dungeon in there. Because oh, they're, True Dungeon? True Dungeon is the uh, live action role play experience um, that you oh, can right. do in, in which it's like live actors. It's the it's like if you mixed a um, a not scary farm tile scare park okay. with a escape room. Okay, so there's is it you're a, playing characters. Yeah, you're, you have a role. You have you have your character, mm-hmm. and you have uh, equipment tokens, which re- represent your equipment. Okay. And you go from room to room to room, either solving puzzles, interacting with NPCs, you know, ah. uh, maybe f- doing trivia or doing little games of skill or games of um, games of or mind games. Okay. And you, it's essentially going through a dungeon. Yeah. But it's a true dungeon because you are experiencing it going and through they, the space. Did you tell me about this? That they only do it once a year at Gen Con? That's, That's the right. only they time do. they do it. They do and they it once make a year. Their entire budget that yeah. that in that thing, yeah. and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Keeps getting yep. bigger. And I didn't know. I interviewed the guy who owns Gen Con. He was on the Dork Forest. Oh, as well. great! Uh, and uh, Scott Elliott. Uh, that's or, a, no, um, or, or Derek Gruder. No, no, the well, guy that um, Scott Elliott is the head of uh, events. I mind, then, I mind block his name, but he's the guy who worked with uh, Gary Gygax originally. Oh, uh, um, yeah, you I think, think I would know since I, I interviewed him? That's fair. But uh, my mind is uh, feel free. Super to, nice guy. Super nice. Everybody's super nice. You guys, let there be some yelling at your iPods because <laughs> uh, everyone else remembers his name except us right now. But uh, but that yeah. But so but it was before I knew about True Dungeon, and I I've only just heard about once you described it. I was like, that's right. So you brought Outbreak on. I brought Outbreak into 2011. We were in Entrepreneur's Alley. Okay. Yeah, and that was our first year. In fact, the book had like was the books the pages were still hot from the printers. <laughs> like it literally slid into home base. Yeah. Uh making it to Gen Con. <laughs> no stress. No stress. Uh we only like paid thousands of dollars to be at Gen Con for our first year and oh the books are arriving just now. Oh. Uh and we doubled our space because I got I got us a marketing fellowship award. So we oh, pres- we presented like a good marketing Mechanics, so they doubled our booth space for that year for free. So we had a ten by twenty and cap. Wow, big, uh, big space, and we sold really well in Did our you first year. All of them? Uh, we brought, uh, we brought five hundred. Okay, and we sold two fifty. Oh, that's, that's amazing! It's huge, and that was pretty much cash. Wow, you know, uh, and two thousand eleven was pretty the square. Yeah, it so. was, it was a huge, it was a great show. Yeah. And it basically got the company up and moving. Yeah. And then we, uh, immediately. And the name of that company is Hunter's Books. Hunter's right? Books, yes. So if you guys, uh, Outbreak Undead, Hunter's Books. Dot com. Yeah. D- dot com. That's where you can find all this stuff. And right. there's, and there's and a since second we, edition. We and all put this out, stuff, yeah, right? since then we've put out like, uh, um, several expansions. We had a, uh, a, like an, an animal bestiary called Wild Kingdom that we put out for Outbreak. And then we did a kind of, Outbreak Deep Space, which was a sci-fi version of our of our system, <laughs> sci-fi survival horror, which is terrifying, by the way. Uh, it was it was, and we transitioned like the game system from like we kind of call it like Outbreak Undead 1.5, okay, because now we're in like second edition land, in which we did the we did the starter kit Kickstarter in October, uh, funded, delivered it, and now we're going to be doing the core set Kickstarter sometime in fall. Um, and so it's been, it's been super fun. Uh, it, it has a cult following and people who love it, love it. And they play That's it great. because it's survival horror is kind of so hard to do in the role playing world. And you can only, 
What makes it hard to do in the role playing world? Okay, survival horror. Uh, Because survival horror is something like it's like when you, uh, it's a little bit like watching Walking Dead. Like, how often do you want to see people go through strife and horror and not succeed? Okay, often a time because a lot of of RPGs is about radical, uh, radical self expressionism and like gearing yourself up and getting stronger and stronger. D and D as a core is based on the idea of that I'm going to get stronger as. As time goes by, I am a god. I am. Uh, I am a seventeenth-level rogue Kalishtar dancer. Right. She's she's been playing in my in my Eberron game for oh, ten great. years now. Oh, awesome. and it's so the first like... game I've ever played tabletop RPG, <laughs> and it's fun because you um uh you you are obviously facing greater and greater odds, and more often than not, like achieving them with, of course, stakes stakes being placed in front of you. But in survival horror, deaths around every corner, you know. Okay, so there's no stopping. Like every. Every you square could, you step on is a, is either full of zombies or full of booby traps yeah. or or it could it just the, the point is is that no matter how decked out you are at the end of the day you're still fleshy fleshy meat right you're and one if of the it, you're ones. you're one mistake away from death okay which is which is fun because you're exploring that yep but it's also uh it's how a, long it, can you play it? how long can you play it and it can be exhausting after time and it's a great campaign if you play it and you and this is why some campaigns are ongoing with it because the people who are into it are really into it and they have these ongoing campaigns in which they're facing the zombie hordes and they're trying to rebuild civilization and we've tried to encourage that style of play by um introducing like an organized play system where people can submit their stats from their game and we put them on a global map and we say oh, wow. like hey region 1 has eliminated this many zombies and they fortified these zones um they're earning a certain amount of what we call survival points in second edition okay um and they uh, they're they're basically holding off the horde, but region two here ain't doing so well. So guess okay. what? Zombies are now moving up from California into Oregon and Washington. Right. And you have to deal with that now. Okay, because of the feedback that you're getting from yeah. the fan base. And that was and that's the kind of the plans that we've been working on. We did a soft launch at a, at the beginning of the year and we're uh we found that people you know, while they uh while they liked that idea I still want to play their own individual games. So we're just enabling people to like submit it to us because we had like a live feedback form for a while. Right. Um, so when, if they buy, my question yeah. is a very basic one sure. is that when, because uh, in D and D you have that main core uh, book, yeah. core book of a, the game master book, right? Right. And you have one of those. So right? we have right now for second edition, we have a pocket rule book. Which is an example. It is basically a sample of the rules. So it's a simpler version. It's a for simpler people? version of the rules for second edition. Okay. With a core rulebook coming out, being kickstarted in in fall. So right now, the pocket rulebook is more for people who have who are familiar with first edition. Yeah. And have played it, and maybe they want to introduce the basics of the system into the game, but they don't want to explore everything. So in in the first edition. I wanna, am I making a character that's fighting zombies or am I making a zombie? No, you're making a, a person who is surviving the zombie apocalypse. And okay. not only that, here's the hook that we lived on for so many years <laughs> that's so fun and interesting. It's is that we, on that website, uh, huntersbooks.com, yeah. uh, you can take a, a personality test, uh, on our website. <laughs> Yes! That's awesome! That when you're done with it, it's, it's 40 questions. Okay. And when you're done with it, it pops out your core stats if you were to play yourself as a character. That is fantastic. That is awesome. So if you want to play Jackie living in, 
you know, the valley. Right. And I could, I, and this is what I do at conventions all the time, including right. Gen Con. We've done this for years. It's always one game that I host in which everyone plays themselves as characters. And I literally just start the game with, you hear gunshots outside. What do you do? <laughs> And we assume that they're at the table with whatever they have on their hands. Okay. And they play as themselves. Oh, so wow. It's the, it's the convention game at the convention. It's the convention game at That's the convention. That's a great idea. Yeah. And it That's becomes, it becomes, no one has ever survived that because the <laughs> amount of people in the floor right, itself. Right. 80,000 right. people. No matter right how they try to get out or do whatever they do, it is always overwhelming. Wow. And it's amazing. And not only just because of the sheer amount of just not, because there's one thing that people don't understand and what I think is fun and interesting about what we like to call day zero, uh, is, is that, um, uh, day zero is not just about the threat of zombies. It is about rioting, chaos, anarchy, uh, breaking down of social structures. It is the LA riots times a thousand. Right. Well, like what happens after people know that there are zombies or yeah. they're aliens? Do they hope? Yeah. Do they bears. hope that something recovers? <laughs> right. Like, are they going to assume that yeah. the, uh, that, the, you know, the. Sure. I'll share my water with you because tomorrow the water will be back on. Well, I don't even think it even gets that far. I mean, most people are just running around trying to find safety, hoping that the National Guard comes or they've already gone. The end of the world is nigh. And <laughs> right. they are and they're just killing them. They're sure. just people out of the Man, way. Man, some people, some people would probably be so terrified that friendly fire in, in those games you are just as likely to die from a random person shooting into a crowd right uh then you are to have a zombie right. bite you yeah you know and so again that kind of excitement yeah is what makes this game so fun mm-hmm. but at the same time it, it it's so interesting because it dance it dances on a weird ridge line mm-hmm. of like what is it what well, how do i feel about it when it's me right you know yeah yeah and, uh, we had some which is the greatest storytelling it's part of it. It's the greatest yeah. storytelling. And I found some interesting feedback over the years. We had one fan um take an opportunity to let us know at Gen Con that he he bought the core book, first edition, the first year around 2011. He came back 2012 when we won an any from the uh, – How do you spell any? Uh, E-N-N-I-E-S. There it's you go. the any awards. Uh, we got Judge's Choice for 2012. Congratulations. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, and he came to us and said, hey, I got your book last year. And we didn't recognize him. It was hard, but we usually try to remember our fans. But yeah. he was like, "Oh, great!" It was like, "Yeah, I came there when I when I saw you. Um, you know, I had just purchased the book, and I went and played with all of my friends who were who had just got back from from basic training. You know, Oof. they're all they're all uh, soldiers. They're all soldiers. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm their I'm their guy running with him, and, and my buddy was running the game, and we all played ourselves as a character, and I found out that, wow, I am wildly useless compared <laughs> to my friends. Like, I was so worthless to my friends, and it it was weird. It struck a chord with me. Like, yeah. it did something to me. And mm-hmm. then he told me about his the next year of his life in which he went out with his buddies, and he started doing some – he went to the range, and he started basically bonding with his friends more. Because he felt really alienated in that game, so he <laughs> right. So he, so he they were they real, were all they were all these ultra skilled soldier people. Ultra skilled, yeah. And so, so he, he needed real world skills to bring back to the table. He brought he basically he he asked his friends and his friends obliged to help him bring some real, real world skills, like you said, to the table. He lost 120 pounds. Wow. You know, because I guess he was a big guy when he first came to us, yep. but he was just a regular looking dude. Uh, when you saw him next, when we saw him next, and he was like, yeah, it it actually did a lot to help me get my my shit together. 
Wow. And I was, awesome. I was like, holy crap, man. That makes, <laughs> I mean, that's just super, pr- I mean, you're just proud to be any part of that. Right. It, it, uh, it was, like, it was so emotionally gratifying. It was that moment and the moment on which Christmas Eve, when we got a, a, a photograph on our webpage of an entire, um, squadron playing Outbreak Undead in Afghanistan. Oh, that's um, great. Um, you know, on Christmas Day. And it was like, there was just the one guy who was leading the game, which just had this biggest shit eating grin on his yeah. face. <laughs> and he captioned the photo being like, like, yep, the whole squad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked so happy with himself. Um, and yeah, those were both really satisfying moments. And then I, on a, the flip end of that, I also had a really, um, herring email from now one of our best beta testers out there. And he had told the story about how he had run, uh, run a game with his family all playing themselves as character. He removed himself from the equation and his kids very quickly because he knew that would go down a bad route. Yep. Um, right. But even then, his wife and his friends were going through their day zero and uh, they had almost gotten to their safe house when um, the GM's wife got bit. Mm. Uh-oh. And um, uh, she didn't end up making it like feet away from the bunker. And it said he kept him up at night. Oh, for wow. nights. It was just so. Playing your own character has <laughs> so, emotional repercussions. Has emotional repercussions. Yeah. So I have to, so that's a, that's an awesome story and I have a story similar to that. Um, yeah. So I was in a LARP. I was in a zombie LARP. Oh, okay. And, uh, dad, dad, run by uh, our rising. friend, uh, Richard Becker. Oh, what was it based on? You just found that out again. Um, Mike Tice told you that. Yeah. And I can't remember now what, it was, what he said. It, it, was based it, was, on, it was based on another RPG, but it was, it was a LARP and it was completely free form rules or cool. Richard Becker's rules. And the way that he had it set up is that there was a basically five or six of us who would meet at this house yeah. and we could play ourselves or we could make fictional characters. Everybody except right. me chose to play themselves. I was the only person to play a fictional character because okay. I had this funny idea of, of, of uh, playing the vegetarian. Okay. Um, <laughs> Always fun. Always fun. Always fun. <laughs> um, uh, but about halfway through the night, um, and so one of the couples that plays in a lot of the LARPs, um, uh, they would switch off. They were both gamers, but they had small children, Got and so they would switch off. So one of them would play, and the other one would stay home and play, and with the with the kids. Right. And this, and she was playing herself. Okay. So it was the mom who was playing, and she was playing right. herself. And at some point in the game, she's like, "Oh, I'm playing myself. I should call home." Oh, and yeah. find out how my family is doing. Right. I want to do that. And she tells the GM, I want to, I want to make sure, I want to call home and make sure my family's okay. Right. She didn't know that the GM had already been in contact with her husband. Oh, <laughs> so he played it up. So she gets on the phone and her daughter, who's like four answers and uh-huh. says, Mommy, there's something wrong with Daddy. And you hear Daddy in the background. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh, that's terrifying, that's, and I don't that's approve. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's yes, amazing. Awesome. You know, it's so funny. Whenever my players try to do that, um, I uh, I had an experience one time when I was uh, when I was working at a at a office in um, up in Burbank. Uh, there was a minor earthquake. Okay. And we all felt it, you know, sure. kind of in there. And uh, uh, at the time, I was trying really hard. I was dealing with a crisis with yeah. my work at the moment, and I needed to get a hold of somebody pretty pivotally. I couldn't get a phone call out to save my life because everyone was calling about the earthquake. Oh, right. It was so overloaded that even something when which 
By the way, zero property damage. Right. Minimal, if anything, property Just damage. Just rubbernecking at this point. Right. It was, <laughs> it was, yeah, the equivalent of cell phone rubbernecking. <laughs> and, uh, but I still couldn't get a call out. Right. So my brain, thinking about these things always, extrapolated like, well, Jesus, if there was like a real thing happening. Sure. Like, what imagine no phone. I mean, like, I, that's why whenever people are like, I'm going to make a phone call, I'm like, you get busy signal. You get busy signal. I'm sorry. All circuits are busy. Please try your call again later. Forever. Yeah. Because there's no way. There's just no way. Yeah. uh, That you'll ever get it. So. Right. If there was a real zombie. If there was a real zombie apocalypse. Here's my next question. Uh, is what, how do you make the, how do the stats kick? What are the stats? So the stats, it's, it's called the test is actually called the spew AI, which is, uh, (laughs) yeah, yup. It's strength, perception, empathy, and will. Assessment index because okay. it's broken down like a psychological essay. And we actually had um, a, a person who has a doctorate in uh, psychology who makes standardized testing right. for um, for psychological analysis. Yeah. Uh, he helped us devise this test. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's great. So, and that was one of the cool things about Outbreak is we tried to pull a lot of real world experience, whether we talked like search and rescue or like fire or police, uh, doctors, uh, I, my Google search index was pretty funky at that right. stage of my life. How many pounds of pressure does it take to break a bone? Like right. stuff like that. And, uh, this is important for the zombie milieu, I think, to make sure like everything has to be like super realistically. Right. And which is, uh, first edition was really crunchy. And by crunchy, I mean in the RPG definition, it's like there's a lot of working, uh, there's a lot of, uh, cogs in the machine. Okay. Of how the machine works. It was a little fiddly. Kind of like it was a lot of stats, a lot of a lot of stats, a lot of a lot of elements, a lot of a lot of things to consider. Okay. Uh, when it comes to running the game. Okay. Uh, second edition basically said you could still do that, but here are fifteen ways to make it easier. Oh, figured out a way to streamline it we once you had done it. it. Yeah, more with the second edition. Now that we did it super hardcore crunchy. Yeah. Uh, let's let's lighten it up. Yeah. Let's make it creamier. That's yeah. That's that's easier. Yeah, so it's iteration. Right. And it just makes it so that it's more general, so it can have more general and easy gameplay. We call it arcade mode. Okay. You know? Nice. Uh but so the Spew AI is the test. And it's um i think at this point You said strength? Perception. Perception. Empathy. Empathy, okay. And will. Will. Yeah. And uh uh and it's beautiful irony, those are the only four stats in the uh, that is for your ma- making yourself as a character. Wow. Yeah, um, empathy being the double-edged sword, because uh, if you're low empathy, well, that can be a good or bad thing. Right. You know? If you have a low empathy stat and you see your friend being eaten on the floor because he made a bad step and got caught, yeah. if you are – and I ask you to make an empathy check, if you fail that empathy check, well, you might not really feel like you need to get engaged or yeah. involved <laughs> yeah, in there. you don't have to. However, if you succeed that empathy check – you might have to get in there. You might have to get involved because guess what? Your empathy will not – it will be – you, you, you will not allow yourself to live without at least trying. Yeah. You know, so it's it's fun to kind of play that with players. And is it dice? It's 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 a D100 system. Wow. Which is percentile. Okay. Which means you often roll two D10s. Got it. One representing the 10s and one representing the 1s. You okay. know? Yeah. And it's the, the, the system is based on – Degrees of success and degrees of failure, which means if you have a target number, so say you're doing a standard skill check, um, strength check, and your target number is 35, all right? Uh, if you roll under 35, it's considered a success. So you try to roll under the stat. 
Okay. And if you roll under the stat and get a 25, for example, instead of a 35, well, you have succeeded with one degree of success because you got 10 under. Okay. Right. So by tens? By tens. Now that's the super crunchy version. Yeah. You can simplify it more and more to the degree of where you're just rolling a D8. Okay. You know, you're rolling a D8 and at, at uh, a three, you're, if you roll, uh, or I'm sorry, a D10. If you're rolling a D10 and you roll under a three, you succeed. Okay. You know, if you rolled a two, then it's a degree of success. Yeah. You know, but it's not, but it's not as involved. You okay. know, you're basically taking the 10 digits away, which allow, this allows you some of the potential bonuses that you can get. Like say, for example, if you got a stat bonus that's only going to give you 5%. You know, for whatever reason, like say you've got a, say you've got a scope and it makes you a little more, it gives you a little more, um, uh, hit accuracy when you're rolling a perception check. Yeah. That may only give you 5%. If you're playing arcade mode, well, that's not going to help you so much. Right. You know, but, uh, if you're, if you're playing super crunchy mode, that scope's going to make a huge difference. So, right. uh, level of granularity. If the, if you can, in that super crunchy mode, if you can, right. if you're thinking about all the little details of things that you can add up. Right. Like, all right, oh, we've got a scope and I'm going to get in a, in a good position and I'm, uh, right. And I it makes it, it makes all these a little bit difference too, because bit. we also do ammo in the form of a capacity. So say, for example, you have a nine millimeter. Right. Well, instead of counting bullets, which is uh-huh. a very difficult thing to do and a lot of people do like to do, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to, and we've also learned this too from various tests. Uh, people in crisis modes don't count bullets. We're not all archer. Right. right, right. Nobody's <laughs> no, nobody's paying attention to that. No one's paying stuff. attention to that. So what we did to mitigate that is, is we have basically a capacity, and every single time you use something that has a capacity, whether it's like a first aid kit or a handgun, okay, uh, if once you use that weapon, you are rolling a certain amount of dice compared to how many times you've used it. So if I use the handgun twice, yeah. I'm rolling two dice, and if I total roll over the capacity of the weapon. Ah. I ran out of ammo after ran that out. use. Okay. It's the equivalent of like if something's you're coming at to roll me low. going bang, 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 bang versus me doing a targeted shot. Now you can mitigate that with skills like trigger discipline. Right? In which it removes a lot of those elements of chance when rolling those dice. But when you use the dice, when you're using <laughs> the weapon, you're yeah. using dice you're up. Using dice, right. Yeah. And uh if you roll over capacity, guess what? New clip time. Okay. And it's fun. We discovered that in Outbreak Deep Space, this mm-hmm. capacity, and it makes it so interesting because it's it, it has that glorified uh, horror moment where it's like you're firing the gun into the enemy, yeah. and you just certainly hear click, 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 click. Yeah. And you just have that moment where I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. You you kind of want to have a lot of those moments sprinkled through the game, right? Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. oh fuck moments. The oh fuck moments. Because <laughs> that's what makes good survival horror. Right. You know. So Fair enough. It's 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 fun. It's different. It's interesting. Yeah. So okay. the space one does it also involve like like air and and air uh, radiation. Okay. And, uh, the 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 enemies in that game are broken down by either uh, infestation, which is like the flood. Or zombies. Okay. Or it's, it's, it's something that has infected yeah. us, you know, and the enemies are a byproduct of that infection. Okay. Um, invasion, which is my favorite <laughs> invasion, <laughs> the, the marketing term we use for invasion is, is that this is not war, it's slaughter. 
Okay. Because it's aliens that have technology so far advanced from us yeah. that we don't even stand a chance. Okay. Oh, you know? I see. So instead of there being lots and lots of, of aliens that are easy it's to pop. It's one fucking predator. Right. Or it's maybe a race of predators. Right. It's a few guys that you have a really, really hard time dealing with. Yeah. At all. At all. It's like, it's like Prey, the, the, the book and video game Prey. Okay. Uh, or Predator or, um, Alien. Like those kind of ones in which it is, it's, it's maybe the only point of that game is literally just to escape the ship of some really fucked up alien race. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. It's super fun. And then trans- I was going to ask what, how, if there's a victory scenario with invasion. Well, that's the best part about all of these. The victory scenario could be something as simple as just living till tomorrow. Right, right. Getting maybe, out. Maybe that's just the win. Yeah. The win is, oh my God, I survived another day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe sometimes it's jettisoning into the escape pod, but, oh, look, one of your boosters ran out. Uh, well, that's interesting. Right. Here come uh, the Reavers. And here come the Reavers. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> and then the last one is transdimensional. Oh, wow. Which is uh, uh horrors from another dimension. Oh, so they show up on like a glowing bubble that all of a sudden yeah, there's maybe, dudes? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? It's it's like I like to think of it like Doom. Okay. Like, you know, oh, there's spawning. There's demons from another realm. Maybe a portal to another dimension is opened, or maybe there are things that taint your mind. Maybe it's like the thing. He said, "You taint. know, uh, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm four. That's all right." Uh, <laughs> what was uh, what was the movie? Um, it was a survival horror movie, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, that was, and it ended up being like. The big surprise was that it's like, oh, and it's and and it's a and it's a starship to hell. Uh, oh, uh, Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Thank yeah, you. Event Horizon's a perfect scenario. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it's all that stuff. Okay. Uh, Event Horizon is still a terrifying movie to this day. You know. Uh, <laughs> Note to self. Yeah. Don't yeah, yeah, you're not gonna. Watch you're not gonna want Event Horizon. You're never gonna write. I, I saw that one in the movie theater. <laughs> oh, that's for the best. And uh, that's where Andy has was, to go see his horror films. Or I'm at the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, where it's too loud. See, and I find it satisfying too. So that's that's the glory of of Outbreak Deep Space is that it has a very unique enemy kind of right. drive. Yeah, yeah. And that um the the players. The players are a lot more powerful in mm-hmm. Outbreak Deep Space because you have technology um, kind of aiding you. But then as a result, everything else is super deadly, you know. So you're deadly, but so is everything else. And 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 simple things in space can be super deadly. Right. Like, oh, no air. Environment, yeah. Environmental stuff is huge that we love. Yeah, you, we, it's It's a good time. I've done many spacewalking scenarios in which, like, the infection – Maybe mm-hmm. like the, like I like to run kind of a necromorph dead space ish kind of scenario sometimes. Okay. And, uh, um, the creatures because they don't need air to breathe are like floating around in like the, the dead of space and the players are trying to spacewalk from airlock to airlock. And, um, you know, all it takes is one of them just to rip an air suit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, it. And you go for it. Every single creature's going for it and they're doing everything they can to fend it off. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, it's, 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 it's brilliant. So it's something that we enjoy. Uh, it's still taking time to, um, to integrate into the greater consciousness because these, these games, because they're, they, but the fun, a- the fun in it is the reality. It, yeah. it takes time to kind of, uh, uh, it's not it's not as often as easy for a general audience to pick it up. Right. You know? And are there several different I mean you said when you guys first published there was only one other RPG about zombies? Yeah. Is it just a 
has everybody just been trying to? Well, ironically, uh, that that one company was out of print when we first were bringing it up. So all flesh must be eaten. Is that's the name the of it? Yeah, it's, that's the one that Richard ran. That oh, that was, was what it was. That was, that was what it was based on. The LARP that he did. Yeah, there oh. you go. I'm trying to remember what? Oh, yeah, what LARP in Unisystem. Yeah. You know, and all flesh must be eaten. Uh, in all fairness, is much more of a hack and slash RPG. It's much more about body count. Yeah, yeah. Than it is about like surviving survival horror. Right, right. It's it's not it's not as story based. It's a button masher. Right. Of it's a, a button masher. Yeah. Right, and that's why we call Outbreak Undead like the zombie survival simulation RPG. Okay. Uh, versus All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which is which is really just destroy all destroy everything. Yeah. Um, it's still fun. And then there, so they went back and started reprinting, right? Literally the day that we ordered the books, they made an announcement being like, Hey, we're reprinting again. We're like, oh, okay. No. All right. Okay. <laughs> Oops. Uh, and then there was a, then there's another system out there, um, called the end of the world, which was published, uh, it's being published by, um, uh, da, 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 fantasy flight. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, put out like a core of three books. One was about the zombie apocalypse, one was about robots, and one's about aliens. Okay. And oh, interesting. So, so a different it, apocalyptic. Different scenarios. apocalyptic, different book for each one. And it's also a very, uh, a very simple kind of, not unisystem, but it's a, it's, it's basically a target, target number, roll a D8 or D10. Um, I think it's a D8 actually. Or is it a D6? I, I, sus- a D6. I suspect that they probably have their own dice. Yeah, because it's Fantasy Flight. Because it's Fantasy Flight. Uh, but they, but they ported it over. It was a, Spa- a Spanish game. Oh, that okay. They then translated and ported it over. Uh, and then ironically, those guys also have a create yourself as a character system. Uh, but they do it in a different method, uh, which you put your hand, you basically, you pick a stat. Okay. You like, you make a stat, say I'm a three in strength. Yep. All okay. right. And then what happens is, is that I say, here's my stats and you're all my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone takes a dice and they uh, vote whether it should go up one or down one. Oh, weird. And that's, oh, and that's the only so way. So it's a little social, social engineering. Right. Which, <laughs> which, and to be fair, uh, that, that might be fun for some, uh, players, but I, that's not a particularly, uh, I think the personality test feels Somehow more connected, more compelling. And neutral, if I may be so bold. Oh, there you go. Because what I think is important is is that I prefer not to have animosity on my table between the players, yeah. which can be bred from voting. Right. Uh, before right. the game even starts. Oh, you think that I don't deserve to go up a notch? But that at the same time, but that but that's Or you're also... really voting me down on strength? Why yeah. would you do that? Yeah, you, yeah. You know? you, are you saying that you'd rather save that for the actual game? Because <laughs> you know, in a zombie survival game, that's going to come up. Right, right. Come. Empathy. I mean, that's basically the empathy. heart of, um, that's, of that's Dead fair. of Winter, right? Because yeah, you, of- you learn about yourself. I, I, this is what I've found, and I haven't played a lot of tabletop. I've, I've only played these these four yeah, or five handful, games that we right. have for the last ten years. and But it's a personality revealer. Yep. Uh, with the person who's running the damn game. Yep. The, you mean that we're in this Pathfinder game that I have only played a handful of times, but it's, it would drive me nuts initially because the game master is the kind of guy that wants to kill everybody. Sure. But he's kept track of how many hero points you are. So he's like, Oh, you're dead. And then you just sit there going, my character's dead. And he's like, and he'll like, he'll let you stew in it. Yeah. And then he'll go, do you have any hero points? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and you're going through your papers you're like, I do, I do. And he's like, all right. And for a long time, I didn't know that he was doing it. took me to him to do it to the kid that we play with yeah. for me to realize that he was doing it. And I was like, 
Oh, Eric knows. Eric, Eric knows. Eric's not really killing me. He's, he's, he's manipulating right. your emotions. He's is manip- what he's doing, which is what game masters do. Yeah. But it's uh, it's and it was so different because there's different people. I've I've played with different people. Yeah. And it's such a different, weirdly experience. Right? Yeah. And it's so funny because I run the survival horror games, but I, I'm actually it's so, it so sucks because I don't like killing my players. Uh, oh. I don't. It's it's. But you kind of have invented us, but I kind of have to, and I invented a system to. designed around killing <laughs> That's players. That's hilarious. Uh, but in my personal games, it's mm-hmm. not it's not a fun thing for me to do. When I'm demoing, I'm just like guts and glory, sure. like uh, take them out. I still want them to have a good time, but I don't want the game to end in 15 minutes. Right. You right. Know what I mean. Right. Right. Uh, and it and it becomes and it becomes a thing. And I and I hate the player versus GM style table as well too. Mm-hmm. Where it, I yeah. like it to be a collaborative experience. That's what I learned from him because I I am the youngest of six, and uh, so every board game I've ever played has been sibling rules. Sibling rules. Where right. I storm off in tears because uh, yeah. I'm a baby, uh, <laughs> and they're like, "She's such a baby," and I'm like, "Ah, uh, you're ten years older than me, and you just took she, advantage." She of me in fact was the baby. I was family, the baby. So she was the baby. So, but so I like I like the collaborative. I like the supportive kind of. Right. Everyone <laughs> wants to win. Everybody right. here at the table is trying to make everybody and, else have a good time. And usually in my personal games, the the question I always like to ask my players before we even play is, "What do you want to get out of the game?" Yeah. Like, what what would what do you expect? <laughs> do you expect a lot of he role said that playing? So many. Yeah. Uh, do you expect a lot of combat? Like, what do you what do you want? What will make you feel good? Right. About what's your, your favorite part? Of gameplay to some extent. Sure, sure. And if everyone's okay. on the same page, then let's run that game. Let's okay. play that game. And it may be different. Want. It may differ from genre to genre, or yep. even from game to game. Yep, yep, yep. If they're like, if I'm playing Outbreak, and they're like, we want to fear death around every single corner. I'm like, all right, we'll play that game, and we will be done. And, and yeah, <laughs> uh, or if it they're may be short. or if they're like, I want it, I want to be challenged. Um, but you know, I also, you know, I'm not really. I, I also want to feel like I'm I'm accomplishing things. Now here's know? my here's my. Uh, Possibly my last question about this is that is are there mods? Oh, well, are there are, are are there scenarios all set up for people who don't want to write the story? Because in D and D and stuff, you have to right. write a story. Sure, I mean, there's so many house rules out there, and on DTRPG.com, which is Drive Through RPG, okay, uh, it's the PDF superstore for role playing games. Got it. We have a lot of like custom scenarios. Oh, there you go. So, and, so you can go in and kind of get an idea. Yeah, our most, you, can, our you most, can buy a scenario and and yeah. run that scenario for your friends. All, everybody right, learns the game. Right. And yeah, right now, great. most of them are for first edition. Right. Um, but we're coming out with a bunch for when we come out with second. Right. Makes and, sense. And our community, our forums, they have a bunch of stuff. Like our community manager has written a very long and prolific uh, type of campaign in That's... which we're now adapting into a system, into a, a sellable thing. Because I've never been That's a great. game master. So I, my thing would be this. That's what people part. mostly ask for. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the being a GM, people usually like an example of play. Yeah. You know, and the most the powerful thing that you can do is make an example of play, whether it's like a gameplay video, which thankfully we've done a few of. Oh, you got some gameplay videos? Yeah, is we've it got some gameplay linkable videos. Linkable off of Hunter's books by uh, some chance? No, no? no? I'm actually working or? on it, YouTube. Uh, and I'm working on, cause actually we ran, uh, great examples of Outbreak for the first episode, couple of episodes of No Survivors, which is my Monday night RPG show on Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry, yeah. by the way, dot com is what Tabletop, which is you also work with. Right. And um what is the name of the show again? Uh so my Monday night show is called No Survivors. Right. 
and then, ironically, uh, <laughs> uh, which is mostly uh, it's a role playing game because also on Geek and Sundry's Critical Role, which many people who like your podcast probably do like Critical Role as well right. too. Yeah. Uh, they uh, uh, believe it or not, there's another role playing show on Geek and Geek Sundry, and Sundry besides is available. Critical Role. Yes, uh, and that is an epic long fantasy of a story that Matt Mercer has told. Uh, while uh, Monday nights are more reserved for, hey, here's a system that you've maybe never seen before. Oh. We're gonna run, f- we're gonna run four <laughs> or five scenarios, yeah, or, si- or campaigns, so that we can explore the system. And the next month, we're on a new system. Oh. Okay, so you so, just do yeah. tiny episode, like right. like ten minute examples, or how long's the show? The the shows the show's two and a half hours. Okay, so there's a little bit of time. So there's several campaigns. So there's several like we call I call them. Um, I call them like a mini campaigns. Okay. You know, like uh, Mercer's basically doing a giant Game of Thrones style, style like epic, Over uh, there. Uh, 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 chronological giant thing, and we're doing like pilots, TV pilots. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, here's here's sure. here's an example. And so, of right, what this system looks like, or right. that system, I get it. And so, we did Outbreak of Dead for one of those, right. in which the players actually escaped from the Twitch studio, and they were trying to make a last stand <laughs> in, in Burbank, California, eventually taking over <laughs> Fortress Costco. Okay, which they nice. Fortress Costco. <laughs> good, Many good people choice. died in that uh, campaign. You'll trying have to, to find who. the entry to the uh, parking lot by any chance? Uh, I've that. always <laughs> had that problem. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, in a car? Yeah, you think they took a car there? <laughs> Uh, in fact, one of the, it's so many good moments in that, in that, in that. So in that, that video's up on Geek and Sundry probably. Uh, it, that, yes. And I'm trying to work cause I'm trying to make it so it's available on YouTube. Yep. Cause right now you have to be a Twitch subscriber to, to watch the VOD. Oh, okay. So I'm working on getting them ported over to YouTube now though, because they did, they, we did a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Oh, nice. Uh, off the old Palladium system. Mm-hmm. Although I, I, Cut apart that system because <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the it's, Palladium's corset. It doesn't hold. It's. I mean, there's been so many interesting things happening in role playing games in the last five, ten years. It's a little dated. It's, it's a little dated. All yeah. these, these older systems. So I, really I cut it up as much as I could and turned it into. Uh, I merged it a lot with kind of outbreaks rules because that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, and we ran like four episodes of that. Oh wow! And then we are doing Pugmire right now, which is D and D. It's with it pugs? is it is a post apocalyptic fantasy world in which mankind has been wiped out and has been replaced as dogs as the as the uh, sentient dominant race. <laughs> and no one knows what happened to man, but the dogs live by the code of man. Oh, the and code the code of, of man. man is be a good dog. <laughs> All right. Bite only those who endanger you. Okay. Protect your home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fetch what has been left behind. Okay. Like laws and codes like that. So they've turned man with, almost I'll, into a religion. Pugs, right. uh, could you pick me up? Could you pick me up? Yeah. Because pugs and pugs are the ruling class in Pugmire <laughs> because they were the closest to man. Uh. They were the closest to man as companion dogs. And so they are now the ruling class. Well, well, right. well. Yeah, sure. it's super fun. So that's what we're running right now. And but I am going to get the outbreak up. I just need to basically tell the boys over there, hey, let's well, pull it over. Andy has his uh, hero instant. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, I have a superhero role playing game. Oh really? Yes, that I've been working on for a couple of years now, and it's I put it up on the website, and so I've got some players here and there. And oh, I, took, sweet. I took it to Gen Con last year and ran it in the first exposure playtest hall. Got and it. That's year, cool. I'm running it in the real convention. The, in the, in what's, the it, what's it called, if I may? The Hero Instant. The Hero Instant. Yes. Awesome. And, Is uh, it because you can make a hero instantly? You can make a hero very quickly. Cool. <laughs> and uh, and it's and there's like the key thing about your character uh-huh. um, is what are the things that make you heroic? Sure. 
And then the powers are sort of secondary. But cool. like, what is that thing that you do that you have to do that, that is the heroic part of your character? Right. Right. Cause that's uh, the, I mean, as uh, one of my friends noted, that's the difference between the Hulk and the thing really. Right. Is what is, what is your heroic, what is your intent behind your heroicism? That's right. What is the thing that you're, you're trying to protect? What is the thing right. that, that you, I like that. that that's do? cool. It's like what's your code of honor as well as your powers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is something that is often the last thing to be explored in character creation. Right. Right. But and I want to put it that more forward. Forward. It's interesting. And use that as sort of the, that's a central mechanic in the game. Is, interesting. Is, is hero, hero points and then drama points, things that you, you drama that, points. You may have to use a different name because drama points are exists oh, yeah. in, the, in the terminology. Oh, okay. So. Well, I'm sure they're not, I'm sure I'm not the first person to, to use drama that. points. Yeah. Do you have art yet? Uh, no, not yet. I'm actually decided to, um, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of superhero games out there. Yes. A ton of them. A ton of them. And they all tend to look like third rate. I couldn't get a real job in comics. Got it. Mutants and, and Masterminds, yeah, Superhero 2044, yeah, few, which is being rebooted, by the way. Yeah, and there's a few that have gotten and gotten some real great artists to do uh-huh. covers for them, or 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 uh, and some. And so I'm not I, I'm over generalizing. Got it. But what I've decided to do to try to make mine stand out is I'm gonna I'm working with this cosplayer. Oh, so you want to do live art? We're gonna do live art with uh, people actually making real costumes uh, and then okay. photographs of those. Hmm. All right. So I hope that I'll help, help it stand out. a That's little bit. different. Yeah. I, I would, I would, if I may be so bold, sure. I would highly recommend that you look at, uh, a lot of the vampire. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, they books, use a lot of, cause they do of, a lot of painted photography. Yes. And even painted, and even, even the, the pen and the ink art was, was painted over photography. Yes. Yeah. And so the, the thing with What's them, the name of that one? Uh, vampire of the Masquerade. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, it's not Vampire of the Masquerade. Uh, the new ones that has the painted art inside is, is Vampire, uh, Oh, uh, not the masquerade, but his vampire, the, the Requiem. Oh, okay. okay. Which is, it's essentially, it's, it's new world of darkness versus right. old world of darkness. Right. This is what right. they call it. They call it N, N Wad versus O Wad. Or right, right. O-Wad. And there's, and I've seen some others that have done that too. Like we had, um, uh, another guest on the show, uh, in Dallas who had made that game for, it was basically a fantasy game for curls. It was oh, like, yeah. it was, it was, it was super cool. It was like, um, I what was the name of it. Yeah. The first, uh, be, first year at Acon. Be only a little mindful because at some point too, you have to make sure that you, that, cause or one of the things I noticed with that, with that vampire painted over photography is you can kind of accidentally run yourself into the uncanny valley a little right. bit. Well, you know? actually what I, what I want, the way that I would love for it to look, I would love for it to look like the movie posters that we're seeing now for the You Marvel want it to be like Avengers yeah. poster quality. That's right. Fun that's stuff. That, that's that and the, the Warner Brothers television show stuff. That's what we're, that's, that's the vision. You I want have. some, I mean, you don't want to make it gritty like Watchmen, but you want it to feel real like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I want, All right. All right. Uh, you know, that's there's some amazing yeah, cosplay fun. going on. There is there's an amazing I, cosplay. There's no lack there. of amazing cosplay out there. The problem is, is you're going to basically be commissioning these people to do custom pieces. Yes. And the problem is, is, is more importantly, photography is cheaper than getting a piece of art done. Right. But you know, in, in my experience, there's a certain price tag associated with a certain level of art. Yes. And what level of art are you going to get when you're commissioning cosplayers to do these custom pieces? Right. You know, are you we're lucky here because in Los Angeles, there's also costume people who also like cosplay. Right. So they have that going for them. It's true. That's like very the, true. The right. people that, and they all do stand up. 
Right. Or their boyfriends do or their girlfriends do because we keep meeting people who are like, what do you, what do you, can I, I already a, know, I could already give you five recommendations of, of like of, the most amazing cosplayers out there who would right. probably not only, not only do it, but then they probably would if you offered to pay half of their costume to do right. it, you'd, they'd probably be like, hell yeah. Well, that's, and that's right. what he's, he's been working with well, this that's, couple of people. And, and that's the other thing too, is that once there's a costume made, not only can I photograph it, but I can also in, in, employ these people to go to cons for That is me. their rights. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me know when you have a, uh, when you're a little farther down the road. Right. Cause yep. you know, I may know, you know things. I maybe, I maybe know, you know, a couple well, publishers. Here's the, here's the thing. I don't understand why we're not gaming together already. Yeah. It's, like, it's... why are we not right now? <laughs> why, why didn't you bring why a copy of Outbreak? Up, why are we not, why yeah. are we not rolling up characters right now? It's not, it's not challenging. Uh, I'll bring, I'll actually, next time I see you, I'll bring a couple boxes. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Just oh, a couple oh starter gosh. kits. Okay. Uh, just, Fair enough. That'd be but, great. Well, we will, it, it's, it's fine. And I would love I mean, to run a game of the hero instant for you and your friends. That'd be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm always down to do new stuff and I'll probably see you at Gen Con. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we're... Because there's only 80,000. Yeah, yeah, so we'll we'll come to our Gen booth. Do, yeah, we yeah, have, well, do we have time to continue or... Yes, okay, of course. Excellent. Why don't you guys talk amongst yourselves for a minute and I'll be right back. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, but uh, we'll, I'll see you at Gen Con yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to find, find each other at Gen Con. How many games are you running? Uh, I am running... Um, I'm only running one game. Okay. Because... So many things demand my time now at Gen Con. Oh, and you have a booth too. And I have a booth. Right. right, um, right. But I, my volunteers are uh, running, uh, I think we're running 12 games. Oh, that's great. This year. That's great. Uh, plus, I decided to take as my measure of success how many games of my game system are being run. <laughs> well, and that's only what we're running. Oh, there's a game group called, um, MAMS uh-huh. who's running 29 games of, of Outbreak. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. And then there's assorted other personal people who are running games. That's great well too. That's great. So we're we're we actually have a there's a strong outbreak presence uh, that's this year really at Gen great. Con, um, and half of it, more than half of it's not us, right? Uh, so that's cool. And I then, need to I need to borrow your model for for getting there. Right, and then the the challenge is: Do you want to self-publish? Right, is the thing, or sure. do you want to go through a publisher? Right, you know. And then, if you're willing to go through a publisher, uh, are you willing to take a royalty split, or are you uh, right, wanting right, right. to fund it and take it a little more? Right. If you're going to front the printing cost, are you going to kickstart it? Who's going to run the Kickstarter? Right, right. Like, there's all there's, the, there's a lot of those so sort of decisions. And currently, I'm doing it in a very in the slowest way possible, which is put the rules out on the internet. And yeah, take and it to the conventions and run it. And yeah, and it's challenging too because you put the rules out on the internet and uh, you'll get great honest feedback. Yeah, but then you'll also get great honest feedback. Yeah, and you will it will you will have a hard time disseminating what is what's being helpful and what's just people imploring their opinions on you. Right. And one of the things that I've learned about criticism is is that often you have to read not literally what they're saying, but what they're trying to say. Oh, absolutely. That's you know? that's that's absolutely true. So, uh I'm a game designer by trade and right. in interactive stuff. Yes. So, uh and so you're and, already used to feedback. Yeah, yeah, and, and getting and how being they able to like pull in everybody's opinions about something and then distilling it down to like, well, what is they what are they like they might be saying they want this thing, but what they really mean is they don't like this other thing, and they're trying to and they're coming up with a solution to to solve that. Right, right. You got it. You know yeah. what's up, and it's true. It is. It is honestly sometimes it is just about listening to what people are. It's not listening. It's communicating by listening, right? Versus communicating by them just blurting out whatever, and instead of reactive listening, that's reactive right. listening, which that's is right. just I'm going to do whatever you say, right? Um. And, and it's it, so important. It's so important to be there and listen to that stuff as it's happening. Right. 
it's it is nice. So it's good that you're going to get that feedback, but it does take slower time. Yeah. And it's funny because we we tend to write a lot, and, and we do, and a lot of our job after Chris, who helped, who was the guy who wrote Outbreak Undead. Mm-hmm. To be totally clear, I did not make Outbreak Undead. Okay. I helped devise it and helped develop it, but the game designer is Crystal Arosa, my partner okay. on Hunter's books. There we go. Um, he's Crystal Arosa. Yeah, he's he's the mastermind behind the rule system. I just helped make it understandable to the general public. Super important. Super important. Super important. And I, I probably Ivan should have told you that Andy was a game designer. Oh, I knew this. Uh, oh, I thought I told you at the at tabletop, but I didn't know. Yeah. Oh no, I well, you didn't I didn't hear this about this at tabletop. We learned about it upon uh, approaching your your living room. Oh, there we go. Uh, but, oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, since the dawn of man as long as I've been doing stand-up, he's yeah, been designing that, games. Yeah, and that's listening, like you're, like, like you're talking about, that's like a super crucial role for game designers to have. It's true. And it, it, sometimes it's just about dissemination of knowledge, yeah. uh, which is just as challenging as writing a super kick-ass rule system. Right. Uh, and ironically, uh, my big contribution is my children's book, which we literally yesterday sent off to the printers. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, uh, it's, that's going to be featured at Gen Con Hardcore. Oh, nice. Uh, because I'm getting a bunch of copies air freighted out and then we're going to do some specials. And I'm one of the things, one of the reasons, again, my time is going to be limited at Gen Con is because we're running a couple of like coloring meet and greets. Oh, nice. In Fun. which we like hand out coloring pages. And, uh, uh, it'll be great. It's, it's super, it's like basically a chill hangout. It's like, it's like an adult and kids coloring zone. Yeah. Yes. At Gen Con. Well, they have oh, that whole, they have that, have that, have that whole sort of kids family room. Well, they have the kids, the kids activity room and it's, it's, but they're, the family fun pavilion is operating in a different capacity this year. Okay. They told me and it's like, yeah, the kids things, they're, you know, as they're trying to approve my events, they're like, yeah, we're doing the kids things a little differently this year. Right. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just to prove of my event. <laughs> you know, um, I will bring, right. I already have kids wanting to sign up and yeah. I will be giving away prizes and there will be hundreds of little girls, um, walking their carrion crawlers that they right. can color. So know? are you going to have time to play any games at Gen Con? Probably not, I, huh? I, that sucks. Is this the curse of the I, game this designer? Is, this is the curse of having a booth at Gen Con is you go to Gen Con and I, the, <laughs> I think the only time I ever played a game that wasn't just like a casual sit down and play a game because I have right. 15 minutes or sure. I'm prototyping some of friends games where I'm looking at a potential game. Right. The only time I ever actually signed up for an event and played a game was my first year. Oh. <laughs> for the last four years, I have not been able no to time. go to any events. Oh, uh, that's so sad. Um, and I got, I even, I even got a backstage tour of True Dungeon. Oh wow. Uh in which they showed me everything and him and You got to see the the guy who runs it. it. Yeah, I got to see see everything, but I still haven't done it. Well, you know uh, when the yeah. one of our first conversation I think was uh was we talked about pandemic. Right. And uh cuz you said you really like pandemic and it's currently my favorite game. Yeah. And, and Legacy is number 1 on Board Game Geek right now. Oh, Legacy is it? Yeah. Yeah. He gave it to me for Christmas. Andy gave it to me for Christmas, and yep. we've got to play it twice. The and original Pandemic was the game that she found, she discovered, oh, and then brought to the house. It was the first game that well, I was very ever... Proud. Very proud moment for yeah. all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like he was very proud of me that I. <laughs> she, she, you brought you brought home your first uh, your, right, your first, first life kill. Game. Look at that, your first life kill. <laughs> you know, the hunter you brings on, back her first kill. You go into the woods. And, You're a woman now, yeah, Jackie. Exactly. That's how I. 
So I, <laughs> there's an old joke, an old, old joke that I guess I'll tell you. Uh, Colleen Cruz used to do this joke. Uh, her daughter was five years old and they went to the mother daughter swim at the Y and, uh, her daughter, Amanda, who is now, I think 30, uh, God knows how old Amanda is, but, uh, but said, Mommy, so they, and she kept looking at the other naked women. And when they were driving home, uh, her daughter said to her. In the locker room, not in, in the locker, pool. Oh, right. In the locker room. Sorry. When they were showering. <laughs> uh, good, good context. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, so, uh, but the girl asked her mom, uh, mommy, when am I going to get my fur vagina? And, uh, and Colleen Cruz, very funny joke, said, well, one day you'll go out into the woods and hunt and kill your own, honey. And, uh, very funny. Or you can go to your Uncle Eddie's cunt farm. <laughs> Boom! Ladies and gentlemen, that is crazy. It has been, uh, a little over an hour, you guys. Yeah, it's fair. Keep going. I know we that you, keep going. <laughs> you guys could keep talking about gaming forever. I'm going to fall over in a heap. So, uh, it's been great. Yeah, thank you for your uh, time. Of course, Ivan Van Norman. Yeah. Uh, from Hunter's Books, of yes. course. And, uh, uh, tell them again on Geek and Sundry on Monday nights. So Geek and Sundry Monday nights uh, from what 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Got it. Uh, until pff, whatever. Yep. Uh, and then Thursday nights we do Game the Game. Okay. Which is basically tabletop live. Okay. We have new guests and new board games every single week. On Geek and Sundry. On Geek and Sundry on Twitch.tv. On Twitch.tv, that's where Geek and Sundry airs most of its stuff. Isn't that, it? it most, it's, it has week, uh, weekly Twitch programming on Twitch.tv slash Geek and Sundry. Okay. That is our channel yep. in which we host programming throughout the entire week. Monday nights is my show, No Survivors, and Thursday afternoons before Critical Role is okay. my Board game show game the game. Okay, and you know? uh, and you have to join twitch.tv. Uh, it's 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 free. Okay, to watch if you want to subscribe because you like cute emoticons or you want to watch previous videos. Who doesn't like a cute emoticon? Right. Come on, emoticons. <laughs> uh, uh, then you can then you can throw five bucks a month to gain access to ding dangs and willy diddles okay. uh, for the for the site. Um, so otherwise, you don't need it to watch live. Okay, fair enough. Yes. And uh you and because uh these are evergreen, you guys, they're playing board games. It's all going to work out. It's, it's an RPG. Every every week. So, if you if any of this, you have any more questions or any of this is unclear, go to at @hydra_lord and find Ivan Van Norman yeah, on Twitter. You can ping me around. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm on the webs. He's on the internet's and uh uh and then other than that, go look at Outbreak Undead. And Andy Ashcraft, thanks for being in your own home today. Well, it's the least I can do. And I always do the least I can do. Oh, my gosh. Rangers, uh, it was a good one. So I hope you liked it. And you know the rules. Take care of each other out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?